Hi, I'm Karina Mengi-Ward from EMC Arts. Here on the Arts Forward podcast, we explore the challenges facing the arts sector right now to do things differently, to do things they've never done before. In each episode, we look at stories of experimentation and success from innovative arts organizations across the country. Today, we're exploring how to improve the livability and appeal of a neighborhood through arts and culture programming. I'm pleased to welcome folks from two organizations that are working to achieve this in Cincinnati. Mike Boberg is the director of Signature Arts and Business Programs for Artswave, which is a community-based funding institution. Ellen Muse-Lindemann is the executive director of Kennedy Heights Arts Center. Welcome to you both. Thanks. Thank you. Mike, to start off, this podcast was really inspired um, by the work that Artswave does funding cultural clusters. So can you tell me what is a cultural cluster and why this issue is a priority in Artswave's work? A cultural cluster is pretty much any neighborhood, but it is a neighborhood that has been transformed in part by an arts organization. So in a lot of major cities, there are arts districts where it is a a whole street of theaters or there are theaters and bars that do music programming and maybe a couple of galleries. I've seen it in Dallas. I've seen it a bit in San Francisco and a couple of others where it's a a predetermined focus on really developing a corridor of just arts. The cultural cluster is, is much more than that. It may just be one or two arts organizations that process of them working in tandem with Mm -hmm. other civic and business and education and corporate entities to really transform that corridor. It's not just an arts-focused corridor. It is, um, and, and that's why it's not called an arts district. It is really called a cultural cluster. So um, Ellen will share shortly her story in Kennedy Heights, but we've seen that happen in other neighborhoods like Over the Rhine, which is just north of our downtown, with Ensemble Theater, who is, it's a small semi-professional theater that has been in existence for a number of years, and they are in a neighborhood that 15 years ago was not a neighborhood anybody wanted to go to. I couldn't even get my family to come down to that neighborhood to see a show for free, and um, it, 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 they stuck it out, and they helped anchor a renaissance that has now happened in Over the Rhine. Um, that renaissance continued with a couple of restaurants opening up, and then the Art Academy, which was in a different neighborhood, decided to move down to Over the Rhine. After the Art Academy moved down, a couple of other organizations moved in, and it really started to transform. And as those arts organizations moved in, a couple of shops opened up, and, and the revitalization continued. And when you have a restaurant approach a theater and says, we want you to do summer programming because when you go dark, we lose over 50% of our weeknight business, that says something. And that's what we talk about when we talk about um, the sort of cultural clusters. It's an arts organization or two that anchor a renaissance within a particular neighborhood. It's not necessarily citywide. It's much more focused. Great. So, Ellen, you're looking at this issue from the other side of the fence as an organization that's embedded in a neighborhood of Cincinnati. What's special about Kennedy Heights and its residents, and how does the Arts Center fit into the neighborhood? Kennedy Heights is an um, economically and racially diverse neighborhood in the city of Cincinnati with 
deep traditions and strong community spirit, really a wonderful place to live. But if you drive through our business district, one might not see that vibrancy and vitality in the community because like so many urban neighborhoods, over the last few decades, our business district has seen a significant decline with the um, stores closing, properties deteriorating, and pockets of crime developing. So about 10 years ago, one major property in our business district, a big old mansion, was facing demolition. And um, neighbors in the community didn't want to see that happen. So they banded together and went door to door and raised a great deal of community support and Kennedy Heights Art Center was founded. Now we see that even the redevelopment of one really important property in our business district has catalyzed a whole chain of events and we're seeing a real revitalization in our neighborhood both in the properties along our business district, and also it's giving a big boost in community spirit and pride and community engagement. And Ellen, could you say a bit more about the demographics of your neighborhood? Sure. Um, Kennedy Heights is very proud to have been one of the first racially integrated neighborhoods in the city of Cincinnati, and we still very much have pride in our diversity. The racial diversity um, for our um, zip code is just about half African-American and half white and a small percentage of other races. We also have a great deal of economic diversity. The housing stock in the area ranges from big old houses to rental units and some Section 8 housing, so we have a really rich diversity. Mike, what are some of the specific aspects that make a neighborhood attractive for Artswave funding as you're thinking about trying to spur these cultural clusters? It really does come back to that issue of community impact and what kind of positive community impact are those arts organizations having in those particular neighborhoods. So it would be um, building bridges between individuals who might not otherwise come together, but utilizing that particular art-centered organization or arts events to bring those uh, disparate community members together in an effort to sort of learn from each other and to have an opportunity to share their stories. Kennedy Heights Art Center actually had a, a great uh, exhibition that was created, uh, I believe, a number of years ago with uh, a number of folks from the community, and they were photographs that were taken and, and shared uh, as a, a way for people to come in and, and share their stories and learn from each other uh, as an opportunity to do so. Um, so it's the organization itself that's having that impact. It's bringing people together. It is spurring um, traditionally the economic impact argument is the uh, piece that a lot of development folks try to use for why the arts are important for a particular community. The economic impact argument only works to a point. What we learned through research a number of years back was if you try to use the economic impact argument when you're talking about tax base, full-time employees, et cetera, um, you get people to think along a particular line. When you change that conversation and you go to someone and you say, okay, think about your community. I'm going to give you $1,000 to invest in your neighborhood. What are you going to invest in? 
what we found was that the arts completely fell off the screen. They weren't even considered. It was infrastructure. It was safety issues. It was business development. And when we say business development, they meant for-profit institutions, stores, et cetera. And so we needed to figure out a way to change that conversation. And rather than talk about it as economic development, we came up with this concept through that research about economic vibrancy. And that's what we're looking at arts organizations doing within those communities where they are really having an impact on that cultural cluster front. It's the vibe. It's the walkability. It's the, the changes in perception of safety. So we're funding those organizations that are able to increase foot traffic on their particular street for opening night events and for uh, summer parades and, and any other kind of, of thing that will bring that community together and really increase general awareness, increase the positive view of that particular neighborhood, of the people who live there calling it home. If their perceptions of their own neighborhood start to improve, then we know that we're succeeding in funding the right organizations and that they are having the impact that, that they are telling us that they're having. Mm. And Ellen, so I understand there's a vacant grocery store adjacent um, to the Art Center. Tell us about that. What, what's your plan and your vision? Sure. We are working in partnership with Kennedy Heights Development Corporation and Kennedy Heights Montessori Center to redevelop a large vacant property that is half a block from Kennedy Heights Art Center. It was a former grocery store that sat empty for about 15 years at the crossroads of our community. So it's an incredibly important parcel in our business district. We are um, creating a multi-use cultural campus that'll include a major expansion for Kennedy Heights Art Center, providing artist studios, as, as well as a performance space. So it will open up the opportunities for area residents tremendously, as well as be um, a place that attracts visitors and participants from throughout the region. In addition to the work that Kennedy Heights Art Center is doing directly in our uh, business district, we found that the presence of the Art Center and the success of the Art Center has also catalyzed the development of other properties in the area, a small dance company, has moved in next door. We also, two doors the other direction, um, some local residents uh, purchased another problem property and created the Green Corner, which has um, an artist's business as well as a community garden. And down the street in Kennedy, in Pleasant Ridge, about a mile from the Art Center, uh, Biakoto Cultural Institute, a significant um, African dance company in the region has relocated. So we're excited about all of our, you know, um, this real movement that's mm. happening in our neighborhood. Mike, you say impact is a is such a key piece of this. How do you measure impact, and how does how do those measurements of impact determine where you where you put the limited dollars that you have? Oh, how much time do we have? And if only <laughs> there brief. were an easy answer to that question. Um, there may never be a simple answer to that question. So um, we are working on it. Right now, in addition to the cultural clusters pot, uh, there are five other areas that, through our research and through uh, a, a lot of 
long weekends and, and planning and creating this sort of uh, operational model, uh, we are funding organizations based in how well they play in either all six of those pots if they are a, a larger institution or they get to pick the three pots that they want to play in. Right. And uh, so some of those things would be things like um, uh, arts experiences for amateurs, uh, which is a, an opportunity for organizations that simply focus on teaching arts or offering classes and those kinds of things. They can play very well in that sector. So how, what are the measures that we have to track in order to determine whether they're doing that? That's perhaps a bit easier because there's always pre and post testing that can be done. The cultural clusters measurement tool is something that is going to have to be tracked over time because it's not something that happens overnight. I know Ellen can probably share a bit about the length of time it's taken Kennedy Heights to get to where they are, but you know, Manifest Gallery in East Walnut Hills is a great example. They started in one storefront 10 years ago, and they have just now opened a second storefront, and it's taken that 10 years to get a coffee shop and an art supply store across the street and a couple of uh, young entrepreneurs to open up their businesses within walking distance of, of maybe two blocks, it's not something that happens overnight. So we know that we have to take the long-term approach, especially on that cultural cluster measurement piece, right. to determine whether or not it's being effective. And Ellen, for you, when you look five years, 10 years, 50 years down the road, what's the most meaningful success that you could imagine for the Arts Center, for the other arts organizations that have um, taken root, and for the community of Kennedy Heights? Right now, we realize that there are still quite a number of people that maybe don't see um, themselves as artists or don't see themselves as a part of an art center. Art just doesn't seem to be something that is for them. And um, it's a real important part of our goals to um, reach everyone and to make this a place that is, to make Kennedy Heights Art Center a place that is not only welcome to everyone, but um, that people see that this is a place that can be uh, meaningful to them and their community. And then on another level of impact, we of course um, hope to see the continued revitalization of our business district, which continues to add life and vitality to um, the neighborhood. So um, there are still quite a number <laughs> of vacant properties and um, rundown properties. And um, we hope to work in um, collaboration with the, with the community council, the Community Redevelopment Corporation, and neighbors um, to help attract and bring other arts and cultural organizations and like businesses um, to the community and create um, more services and activities for local residents to engage in, but that also attract investment and people coming in from throughout the region. I'd like to restress that point that Ellen just made too in that when we talk about cultural clusters in particular, it's not just the arts organization by itself. They have to work in tandem with the community council, the community redevelopment corporation, if one exists. In some neighborhoods they do, in others they don't. It is not something that an arts organization can do on its own, but 
that's I think arts groups need to think a little bit more outside the box in terms of who their partners are because most arts groups tend to look at other arts organizations as partners whereas in order to really have a, a, this kind of impact in a particular neighborhood they need to think well outside that box and figure out who are all of the stakeholders that we need to have in this conversation and how do we interact with them and how do we get them engaged in what we're doing so that we can be engaged in what they're doing. Mike Boberg is the director of Signature Arts and Business Programs for ArtsWave. Ellen Muse-Lindemann is the executive director of Kennedy Heights Arts Center. Thanks to you both for joining me. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thanks for listening. This is the Arts Forward podcast. You can check out more on our website that features multimedia profiles of innovative organizations, a blog, and this podcast series, and much more at www.artsforward.org. That's A-R-T-S-F-W-D dot org. I'm Karina Mengu-Ward of EMC Arts in New York.